Well, good morning, church. Good to have you here in the room and those folks that are out there bobbing on the ocean or uh, on Lake Murray enjoying a uh, beautiful Memorial Day weekend. But we're glad that you're in the room or you're watching online. As I begin today, I want to just say thank you to those who sent some texts and emails and cards, etc. Lynn and I were uh, honored last weekend at Asbury Seminary to receive an honorary doctorate, and uh, we were very uh, blessed to do that, and thank you. Um, so uh, the, uh, and I say Lynn and I because I could not have done, uh, we could not have done what we did. Uh, I could not do what I'd do without Lynn doing what she does. And uh, so some people have come to me and said, hey, can you write me a prescription or anything like that? I said, I can tell you how to pray more, right? I can tell you about prayer and all that good stuff. And then I, I know a good doctor or two. I can point you to them. But uh, with that said, uh, to, to be there at Asbury, uh, going back, and I've not been back very many times since we graduated 41 years ago, but to look back and see how God used that experience to lay a foundation in us of the importance of biblical truth and learning how to do ministry over these 41 years, it's just been amazing to see what God has done. I began there exploring what I believed. I began there exploring uh, what denomination I wanted to be a part of. And yet God was, has been faithful in, in revealing all of that all the way through. So praise be to God for that. As we continue this sermon series on stages, uh, that was an important stage of our life. And then last weekend kind of was a high, high moment of that. But as I thought about the sermon series and how we've been going through these stages, uh, this has been a great series. And if you haven't listened to the other messages, please do so. So today we're talking about exploring, uh, exploring faith, exploring questions about faith. And I thought about a time in my life, and I believe I was 12 years old, whenever I got invited to join a Boy Scout troop. And I'd not been a Boy Scout, not been a Cub Scout. And so I go into the Boy Scout, I think as a tenderfoot or second class or whatever. I was at the very beginning of the process of being a Boy Scout. And it just so happened the troop that I joined was getting ready to go to Philmont Boy Scout Ranch in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I was going to get to go with them. You know, I'm brand new in the troop. I joined like in January. And then that summer, they're going to Philmont. So I began to learn some of the things on fast forward, how to be a Boy Scout so I could be ready to go on this big, big trip to Philmont. It was, it was an incredible adventure. And really the first time I'd ever left Kentucky as, as a young person, and we got on a bus, a big Greyhound bus, and went to Chicago, Illinois. And some friends correct me after the last service, it's not Illinois, it's Illinois. So if you're gonna be a doctor, you gotta get that right, Illinois. And then from in Chicago, we got on the Santa Fe Super Chief train and went by train from Chicago to Albuquerque. Just a fascinating, eye-opening experience to see the big West how big it was, how wide open it was. My eyes were just taking it all in. And then we arrived at Philmont and this huge uh, camp that spreads over hundreds of square miles. And we launch out on this exploration, spending, I think, a week to 10 days just camping and backpacking. And I know a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, Trevor had a bear story and Daniel had a bear story and I had a bear story, but I'm not even going to talk about the bear story. Uh, it was a fun bear story. But with that said, when, when, every morning we would get up and we'd go out and we'd start hiking. And 
one of the scouts who probably was on his way to be an Eagle Scout or uh, the next level scout, they, they always got to lead the troop. I always wanted to lead, you know, but I was the new guy. I was a tenderfoot. I was in the back of the pack. But near the end of the week or the end of our time there, the scoutmaster invited me to come up front and lead the group. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea where we were going. He just says, follow that trail. And so I was so excited. It was a lot of dew. It was, it was wet. It was early in the morning. And the first thing I noticed about leading and exploring was the spider webs, right? I mean, there were spider webs everywhere. I had no idea that when you lead the group, you got to knock down all the spider webs and the spiders are everywhere. And I'm going like, this is no fun. Can I get in back in the back of the back? And that was my memory of being an explorer was spider webs. See, when we are exploring, it's not always easy. And it looks like it should be fun, but it's challenging. And I was so thankful that, that I had a scoutmaster that had a compass and a map and knew exactly where we were headed. Today, as Christians, we're in a crazy world. We're in a world that is confused, a world that is drifting further and further away from God. And I believe as Christians, we need to know where we're headed and we need to know how to explore truth. I wanna invite you to stand if you're able as I read God's word from Colossians uh, chapter two. These are Paul's words to the church at Colossae. As you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you've been taught and abounding with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone captivate you through philosophy and vain deceit in the traditions of men and the elementary principles of the world and not after Christ rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. Father God, I pray that as we spend this time in your word, that we will allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us and to reveal to us truth. The truth as revealed in Jesus Christ. If we don't know Jesus Christ today as Savior, may we receive him as our Savior. And if we've not May Jesus Christ, the Lord of our life, help us to have the courage to trust Jesus Christ as Lord. Speak to us, Father God, through your word. Speak through me. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, this morning as I give this talk, and even yesterday I was trying to figure this talk out, this is a hard subject for us because we have a lot of people exploring faith. And I believe a lot of people drifting in their faith. And so as I was wrestling with the sermon and as I actually got it all together, the Lord laid on my heart yesterday afternoon or last night that, Jeff, I want you to speak to three audiences today or tomorrow. The first audience is, is this. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been a Christian, you've been a believer, you've been religious, and, and, and now you're having doubts about what you believe. You're questioning the very foundation of your faith. Maybe something has happened. Maybe what even happened this past week in Texas has, has shaken your faith and you have real questions. I want, I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe you're here this morning and, and there, have been, there have been people in your life, whether a friend, a neighbor, a child, someone in your life that has a lot of doubts, that has a lot of questions 
And, and I believe that God has a message for you. And if you're here this morning and you've been exploring Christianity, but you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I believe God has a message for you as well. Paul is writing this text I've read from uh, to young Christians. They're in the early stages of their faith. He's writing to encourage them. They, they, they have received the historical teachings and traditions about Jesus. That they believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins. That they believe that he rose from the dead. But it's important to note here in verse six, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. See, they, they've just not accepted Jesus as the savior. They've not just accepted Jesus as the resurrected Jesus, but they've accepted him as the Lord of their life. And that's another level. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, we invite him to be supreme in our lives. It changes things for us. They're strong in their faith. They know his power. They know his presence. They're, they're, in, a, they're in a, in a pre-Christian world. There's not a lot of other believers around them. In fact, they're being challenged. Beware, lest anyone captivate you through philosophy and vain deceit. They're rooted and built up. You know, when I went to New Mexico back on that trip, I saw my first tumbleweed. Now, a tumbleweed is a fascinating uh, plant. It, it grows very quickly, gets very large. It turns brown and waits for the wind to blow it. It has a very short lifespan, but a long death as it gets blown all over the place. And the reason that a tumbleweed is like that, its roots are very shallow and its roots are very small. And so every major wind comes, that tumbleweed gets blown all over the place. They're at the mercy of the wind. I believe that to be rooted and built up, as Paul's talking about here, means that we daily work at deepening our relationship with Jesus Christ. That we daily begin to trust him more and more. And instead of being a tumbleweed, Christians are to be like a tree planted with deep roots. You feel the winds, but you're not blown over by the winds. You feel the winds, but you're not blown away by the winds of change and the winds of culture. You're established in your faith. And it results in thanksgiving. It, that that as, as things begin to unravel around you or the storms get great against you, you're established and you're grateful for the foundation that God has given you. I, I was over in the sanctuary earlier and uh, um, they were singing the chorus, sweet, sweet presence of the Lord is in this place. And I had a mom standing, or grandmother standing beside me. And she says, you know, I sing that song every day to my two and, and three-year-old grandchildren as I, as I walk them in the stroller. I'm, I'm, I'm laying a foundation for them when they're two and three years old. And I said to her, I said, you know, faith in Jesus is better caught than taught sometimes. You know, as they hear that from you, you are laying a foundation for them. You know, today I believe we have intense winds blowing from social media, from the culture that's hammering, hammering young Christians who are not rooted and grounded in the faith, not rooted and grounded and in, 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 in established like Paul's talking about here. And let me just say this. It's not about dogma or doctrine. 
you're not rooted and grounded in dogma or doctrine. You're rooted, rooted and grounded in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That is where our foundation comes from. Now, it should, doesn't mean we, shouldn't, we should be sloppy with our faith or our theology, but it's not enough to know about Jesus. We need to know Jesus personally, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who desires through the Holy Spirit to live in our lives, to be our Savior, but also our Lord. Now, this is the reality about Jesus. I love what Paul goes on to say in, in Colossians. He says, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. People say, I, I, I don't understand God. I don't know how do I learn about God. Well, God is revealed in Jesus Christ. It, when Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's in God, it's in Christ that we understand who God is. It's how we get grounded. It's how we get rooted. It's how we get established in our faith through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that we work on every day. I love how the message paraphrases uh, Paul's letter here. L listen to this. Watch out, watch out for people who try to dazzle you with big words and intellectual double talk. They want to drag you off into endless arguments that never amount to anything. They spread their ideas through the empty traditions of human beings and empty superstitions of spirit beings. But that is not the way of Jesus Christ. Everything of God gets expressed in him so you can see and hear him clearly. I love this. He says, you don't need a telescope. You don't need a microscope. You don't need a horoscope to realize the fullness of Jesus Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him the emptiness of the universe without him. In this universe that we live in, we are continuing to push Jesus Christ out of the universe. And it becomes very empty. And morals and values become very empty. And he goes on to say, when you come to him, the, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. So as I, I share some truth with you this morning, I want to I want to use a, a, a statement here from Emma, our esteemed young theologian who graduated from Duke Seminary, and she's preaching over in the sanctuary today. We are to explore, to discover, not to demolish. When we explore our faith, it's to discover and not to demolish. See, walking with Jesus Christ is dynamic. He reveals new understanding about ourselves and the world we live in. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. You know, we, we are to explore, to discover more about God. I, you know, I, I was in sermon prep this past week. You know, I've, I've had a concern, a growing concern about those who are experiencing deconversion by asking these questions and beginning to tear down their faith and then and, 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 and deconverting from Christianity. And so I, so I have some challenge. I said, I don't want to, I don't want to give people a permission, so to speak, to, to begin to devalue their, 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 their faith. And Trevor said to me, pushed back on me and said, uh, well, Jeff, would you think in the next five or 10 years that you will have a better understanding of God? Okay, Trevor, you know, yeah, I can't fully comprehend God right now. And, 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 and yes, if I keep growing, I will have a better understanding of who God is. I have a bigger 
grasp of who God is in five or 10 years if I'm still alive. And so the point is, as Trevor was saying, is we, get, we always keep discovering and keep exploring to learn more about the fullness of who God is, but not to demolish our faith. And then just that, when I got home that afternoon, there was a card in the mail of a, of, of a congratulations, and the card said this about God. He is infinitely more holy and beautiful and good than our minds can comprehend. Okay, Trevor, thank you. You know, that we're continue to explore, to understand God more fully. And there's always going to be questions that we may not be able to answer. But in seeking to explore a deeper walk with Christ, it's easy to stop discovering and start demolishing our faith. Exploring your faith should not be the same thing as exiting your faith. I'm going to read this from Emma again. Good words here. She says, it's easy to tear down absolutely everything we've ever known because we think that's going to solve our problems because we think it will provide answers, but it will not. Rather, it will likely cause the already overwhelming situation to become more chaotic and we can get lost in the confusion and the questions and somewhere along the way, we might end up losing ourselves and our faith altogether, leading us into deeper despair darkness and demolition, and then the cycle of uncertainty and disillusionment. See, I believe, friends, if we're not careful and we explore to demolish, that a divided heart will lead to a divided life. And a divided life is unstable, it is unfruitful, and is unsustainable. Competing loyalties become confused loyalties and lead to chaos. I love this quote from over 100 years ago from Booker T. Washington. He said this, a lie doesn't become a truth, wrong doesn't become right, and evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by the majority. See, we live in a world that we want to follow the majority. We want to follow what is popular. But just because the majority believes in it and accepts it doesn't mean that we do as well. So I would say, secondly, we explore with a holy curiosity. I've used this quote for years. I'm not sure where I got it at, but it says this, God is not like some neurotic parent who only has to hear good things from his children, that God can handle our curiosity, that God can handle our questions, that God can handle our doubts, and God can handle our fears. And, and I want to encourage all of us to keep asking those questions about our faith so that we can begin to grow even more in our faith. One of the most important stages of faith is to own your own faith. It is to move beyond the faith of your parents or the faith of your spouse or the faith of your friends or your mentors or your small group, your church community. We need to have our own personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Faith that has been loaned and not owned will be exposed in the storms of life. If you don't own your faith and you're using borrowed faith, it's not going to hold you up. You and I need our personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And when we explore the faith, we hold on to the foundation. So I want to say this to you. This is where I want to get a little teachy here. Um, we explore with a passion for truth and a compassion for people. I want you to hear me on that because 
invariably, I'll get misquoted on that somewhere along the way. I can't believe Pastor Jeff said that. Explore with a passion for truth and a compassion for people. The story is told of the great explorer, William Perry, who led an expedition to the Arctic Ocean in the early 1800s. He, he kept pushing north to continue this mapping and charting. And so they used the stars, the North Star, to calculate their location as they continued to march north. They walked the entire day, exhausted, and finally they stopped for rest. And again, they took their bearings from the stars. And they were shocked to discover they were further south than they had started. Or what happened? Then they realized that they had been walking on an ice floe that was moving south faster than they were walking north. And they were drifting in an opposite direction. I would tell you to be careful in your exploration for truth. Don't allow yourself to begin to drift away from the Word of God. You may be thinking you're going in the right direction, but you're moving further and further from the Jesus of the Bible. I believe we need to be guided by absolute truth, not, abs not relative or changing truth. We need to get our bearings and our GPS readings from God's revealed Word. And I believe that truth is defined in the Word and not by the world. Truth is defined in the Word and not by the world. The world has its opinions about God's Word. I'm going to take my belief from the Word of God as it's given through the power of the Holy Spirit. I love these words from the psalmist. He says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. Each one is fair. You know, we make some comments sometimes and I hear this, these conversations that, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the Old Testament. You know, I, I don't believe in all of that stuff. I believe in Jesus. Well, let me just remind you that when Jesus was walking the planet Earth and speaking, he was speaking from the Old Testament. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. It, it, it hadn't been formed yet. And, and Jesus was affirming what was in God's word. And again, I believe that there are things that are taken out of context in, in the Old Testament. There are things that are taken out of context in the New Testament to kind of fit the world's view of truth. You know, I believe that Jesus Christ came to fulfill the word of God. In fact, John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And one of the key core values at Mount Horeb, and a key core value that I learned 41 years ago at Asbury Seminary is the Word of God is our source of truth. Not the Methodist church, not what's the latest thing going on in the culture. The source of truth is the Word of God. If, if not, we're drifting, and we don't know where we're drifting. We're drifting away from the ways of God. We're living now in a postmodern world or a post-Christian world, a world that believes that truth is relative. 
that it depends on something else. Uh, and there's been many truths that we've now created. And there are different sources for those truths, religion, science, opinion, or feelings. And nothing wrong with science, nothing wrong with opinion, nothing wrong with feelings, but they, they evolve, they change, they're, they're, they drift. You know, we live in this new norm where people believe that if they believe something is true, it's truth. And, and their truth is their truth, and their claim is their claim. That's called relative truths. You know, they believe, many people believe that the Bible is just one of many truths. That's not the claim the Bible makes. The Bible makes the claim that this is truth. And I'll, I'll quote another scripture for you in a minute. So let me tell you what I believe about the Bible. I believe the Bible is our supreme authority for faith, practice, doctrine, and morals. I believe that the Bible is infallible because it is the inspired word of God. I believe that infallibility means that we trust the Bible to truly communicate to us what God wants us to believe and how God wants us to live. And we are not entitled as Christians to set aside or ignore the teachings of Scripture. We're not given permission. No, we, we're doing that, but that's not the direction of Scripture. I believe that God is the source of truth, and His truth never changes. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus is the beginning and the end. And I believe that Scripture is our lens for reality. It's how we view the world. I believe the Bible is the best source of truth, not Hollywood, not social media, not politics, not the culture, not the world. I believe that Jesus Christ is the revealed Word of God and will lead us to the best way to live. Now, let me just say this. The Bible is not God. I don't worship the Bible. I worship the God who's revealed in the Bible. I worship Jesus Christ who's revealed in the Bible. I worship Jesus Christ who is the Word become flesh and lives among us through the power of the Holy Spirit because truth is revealed in a person and not a principle. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus Christ is God incarnate. And Jesus did not say and does not give us permission to say, I am the preferred truth. I will point you to the truth. I'm a prophet of the truth. He didn't say any of that. He said simply, I am the truth and I am the way. I'm not one of many ways. I am the way to the Father. Jesus says in John 8, 34, 8, 31, 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, now, he's directing this to people who believed in him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to what? My teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I thank God that the truth will set us free. Now, when the truth sets you free, it may make you miserable. What I mean by that is God's word will expose our motives. God's word will point out our faults. It will rebuke us. It will call us to change but I believe it is a source of our truth. I believe in the absolute truth of Scripture. I don't believe I absolutely get the truth right all the time. Does anybody here get the truth absolutely right all the time? I don't think anybody does because we're all human beings and we all struggle and we're all a work in progress. None of us have arrived. 
but make sure you're following these words of Jesus from Matthew 7. Therefore, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, hear that. Not just hearing, but putting the words of Jesus into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it has foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and chooses to change them, chooses not to put them into practice, is like a foolish person who built their house on the sand and the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority. This house that we're building is a metaphor for life. I base my life, I base my job, I base my career, I base my relationships on the word of God. Now, I said earlier that we explore with a passion for truth and a compassion for people. Again, Jesus came full of grace and truth Jesus told people the truth. Some rejected him for it. They crucified Jesus for telling the truth. But still, the multitude followed him when he told them the truth. Why? Because they believed that he had their best interests at heart. But he never compromised truth over grace. He always presented truth and grace and balance. There's a great book I would recommend if you want to read more about truth by Rob Renfro called The Trouble with the Truth, Balancing Truth and Grace. And he makes an illustration, which I think is a powerful illustration, of, of that person who's walking on a tightrope. And certainly in today's world, we're walking on a tightrope. And, and the person's holding that, 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 that bar that keeps you balanced. And on one side is grace, and on one side is truth. And you gotta balance very carefully the truth and the grace. And if you present truth without grace, you'll come across as judgmental and harsh and mean-spirited and be accused of that. You've got to balance it with grace, but please love people enough to tell them the truth. Jesus balanced it with truth and grace. And if we're going to walk like Jesus walked, if we're going to talk like Jesus talked, we talk with truth and we talk with grace. So show compassion for people who may not agree with you. How can we do that? We can listen to people's stories. We can ask questions. We can care about them as individuals. We can try to understand the world they live in, and we offer them Jesus. We offer them Jesus. So, so many times when people have questions, I send them to the Gospels. I say, go read about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus said in John chapter 12, quoted, if you lift me up, I will draw all people to myself. You know, it may feel great to win a debate. It may feel great to prove a point. But keep in mind that Jesus called us to be fishers of people, not winners of arguments. It's good to have passion for the truth. We need passion for the truth. But don't forget compassion for people so they too can discover how much God loves them and has a wonderful plan for your life. I'm challenging myself and I want to challenge you to embrace those who disagree with you. Embrace those who resist you. Embrace those who oppose you because we know who we are and we know whose we are and we know that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And because Jesus Christ is the Lord, we don't cancel people. 
we embrace people and we share with them the love of God. We share with them grace and truth. And so this morning, if you're struggling with your faith, I want to encourage you to get into the gospels of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to ask hard questions, but make sure you're not drifting away from the Jesus of the Bible. And if you're helping someone who's struggling in their faith, have compassion on them, embrace them, and love them. And if you're searching for an experience with Jesus Christ, you've never had one. You, you've got doctrine, you've got dogma, you've got understanding, you've got religion, you've got a membership in a church, you've been baptized, but you've never fully had an experience with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about John Wesley. May 25th, this past week, is something we Methodists call Aldersgate Sunday. John Wesley was raised in a religious home. His father was a priest. His mother taught him the scriptures from as early as he could remember, the Old and the New Testaments. He went on to become a, a, a priest himself. But he wasn't at peace with God. So he left England and came to Georgia, of all places, to be a missionary. And there he struggled as a missionary. He got into trouble because he refused to give communion to people he didn't agree with, which you can't do. You know, you got to, it's an open table, right? So he gets in trouble. He's disillusioned. He's coming back to England. Not sure what he's going to do with his life. And, and there's a great storm. The winds were blowing. The rain was pouring down. And there was fear that the ship was going to sink. And it comes across a bunch of Moravian Christians who are singing hymns of praise in the middle of the storm. And he realizes that they have a faith that he doesn't have. They know a Jesus that he doesn't know. And so he goes back to England, and on May 25th, 1738, he's walking down a street called Aldersgate. And he comes across a Bible study where they're reading, reading Martin Luther's commentary of the book of Romans. You talk about a boring sermon, right? They're reading from the commentary. And Wesley says, for the first time, I felt my heart was strangely warmed. For the first time, I felt that Jesus Christ had indeed forgiven my sins that Jesus Christ had died for me. My heart was changed on that night. He says, I went back to my room and I began to pray and I was buffeted by temptation. And always before he said, but when I was buffeted by temptation, I always failed. But tonight, for the very first time, he said, I was a conqueror because Jesus Christ, the conqueror, was in my heart. And John Wesley, this founder of a Methodist movement that helped start hospitals and got children out of slave labor and fought against, against slavery across the colonies, helped form a movement that changed all of England. It happened because he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, not because he learned more dogma, not because he learned more doctrine, but because he met Jesus personally. It's my prayer today that if you've never met Jesus Christ personally, that you would invite him into your heart and life. That's where the foundation begins it begins by being rooted and built up in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then you become established in the faith. This morning, I want to pray with you that wherever you are, that you will come to that place with Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you that you brought us here today or we're listening online somewhere. 
And Lord, you know our hearts. You know some of us here are struggling with doubt and questions. We've been listening to uh, all kinds of, uh, of statements, people proclaiming truth. And Lord, we're challenged, we're struggling because it, it's not the same as we read in Scripture. We don't know what to do. I praise Father God that you would give us clarity and that you would give us understanding and that as the winds blow that we will be rooted and built up in you. And Father God, if there's people in our life that we disagree with and we don't, aren't on the same page when it comes to understanding, may we embrace those people and love those people and pray with those people and listen to those people and share them, share with them the person of Jesus. Lord God, if there's someone listening today that's never had an encounter with you, that today they would have an encounter with you. Father God, right now we would open our hearts up to you and bring you our doubts, and bring you our confusion, confess our sins and say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I don't understand everything. I don't know if I even agree with everything, but I want you in my life. And I pray that you would guide me to the truth because you are the truth. Lord, do your work today as only you can do. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.